Greetings, this is Pastor Stan Harvey of the Pentecostals of Sydney. Thank you for joining us on our podcast. It is our hope that this message, whether it be a Sunday service or a midweek lesson, would be a blessing and a help to you in your spiritual journey. Stay connected with us on our website, posydney.com, or on our numerous social media platforms. Now to the service. with you. Let's go to the word of the Lord. The gospel of John chapter 4, verse number 34 to 38. It is our custom to stand in honor of the reading of God's word. So if you wouldn't mind standing with us. We also greet those that are joining us on live stream. We have many of our people away. Some of them are, uh, we have a team over there in Griffith. They're having special services in Griffith. Pastor, Tim, uh, Pastor Martin, and uh, we have AYM teams uh, away, young people away over this weekend. But uh, I believe God wants to do something wonderful here today. John chapter 4, verse 34. If you haven't, say amen. If you haven't, say oh man. Okay, that's good. Verse 34, Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already. Everyone say already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereon you bestowed no labor, other men labored, and you are entered into their labors. Amen. I want to talk to you to this on this thought today, on that word that we, I ask you to repeat already, very simply, on this thought already. Amen. I wonder if you could join with me one more time in prayer. Uh, we want to pray for our brother Andrew, Andrew McPherson, who is not well, and he needs God's help. He's in the hospital today, and others, they're also sick, many are sick actually, Sister Marcella, others struggling with their health. We believe that God is a healer. He hears the prayers of his children. Scripture tells us that our God is a high priest who was touched by the feelings of our infirmities. So let's lift up our voices right now in the name of Jesus. Father, we're, we're thankful that we can come into your house. We thank you for healing. We thank you for health. But today we remember our brothers and sisters that are struggling today in their sickness. We're asking you, Lord, to bring miraculous healing to them right now in Jesus' name. We pray that you would go to their sickbed, Lord, for Brother Andrew, Lord God. We pray that you would heal him, that you would intervene, Lord God, in his life, Lord, and that you would enter into that room where he is, that your presence would fill that room, and that you would bring healing to his body. Lord, even where the, the medical professionals are limited, Lord, there is nothing too difficult for you. But you can heal him today, Lord, by the power and the promise of your word, the authority of Jesus' name. 
for Sister Marcella and others, Lord God, that are struggling with their health. We ask you to touch their bodies, recover them. Brother Mo, Lord God, as he returns to Sydney, we ask you, Lord, grant traveling mercies and healing still, Lord. We ask you for your touch upon them in Jesus' name. And Lord, for your word, we ask you to speak to our hearts. Let us have open hearts, receptive minds, that we may receive from you your word as we give you thanks and praise for all that you are doing. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. Would you clap your hands one more time and thank the Lord? Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you for standing. God bless you. You may be seated. Last week, I was, I was in uh, Melbourne uh, installing a new pastor at uh, one of our churches there in Caroline Springs. And it is amazing to see uh, what God is doing in this hour. Unfortunately, throughout that whole service, I just coughed my way through. I've been struggling with this nagging, persistent cough for the last four or five weeks. And uh, don't worry, it's post-viral. That means you can't catch it. And it's not COVID either, if in case you're wondering. But uh, I'm feeling a little better today. We, we had a tremendous turning point a couple of weeks ago, turning point conference. Wasn't that amazing, the, the ministry of Brother Diaz and, and Brother Gaddy? We also had our general conference in the U.S. just this week, and Brother Gaddy ministered. Uh, the uh, home mission service and, and it was a phenomenal message I don't know if you followed it online but it was tremendous we had a couple of weeks ago powerful moves of God and last week God moved in the services with uh, Brother, uh, Brother Pi and, and Brother Ben ministering and we are thankful for all that God did for us but, but I, I've had this message in my heart for the last several weeks that God has placed in my heart that he wants us to be reminded that as wonderful as we experience the services in this house and we're so blessed that, that those experiences are meant to lead us to a greater effectiveness. That that is not the end of what we're after. That God's purpose for his church is not just so that we can come together in this house and be blessed. But God is blessing us so that we can fulfill the calling and the purpose of God. Amen. Amen. We, we can get so occupied and preoccupied with the things of the house of God. We can be so consumed in the church and doing things. And thank God for all that we do. Thank God for all of our volunteers. Thank God for everything that you do, whether it's large or small, whether it's seen or it's behind the scenes. I believe God sees all of those efforts that everybody that is in this house, that is a part of this church, they see the efforts that we all make. God sees that. Praise God. But I want to remind you here today that that is not the goal. That that ultimately is not the purpose. And, and I would go even so far as to say that that could even be a hindrance to what God wants to fulfill through us. Amen. 
We, we can be so preoccupied with life and, and all of the busyness of life. We, we got to work. And of course, those things are necessities. But, but here in this particular text that we read, uh, after Jesus had a conversation with the woman at the well, you all know the story well, his disciples were concerned about Jesus that he hadn't eaten. So you haven't eaten. What are you going to eat, Jesus? And, and Jesus turns around and tells them this very strange statement. He says, my meat or my meal is to do the will of him that sent me. He said, while eating is, is a necessity for our lives to live physically, what he's trying to convey to them was a very important point. That my whole purpose and desire, my, my, my sole primary objective, it's not so much the necessities even of life where he needed food to eat, but he said, my food, that which drives me, that which motivates me, which moves me. It's not my next meal. It's not what I'm going to have for lunch like some of y'all are thinking about this morning right now. You're thinking, I hope he hurries up because I got lunch waiting for us. You know, we've got a feast going on. But he said, my meat, my meal, that which drives me, that I don't even care about food, is to be able to do the will of God. Amen. And the will of God, brothers and sisters, is to reach a lost world. Praise God. Jesus' disciples were concerned about food, but he was concerned about his primary objective in life. Amen. And that is to reach a lost world. And I want to remind you here today, brothers and sisters, as we are thankful for this church, we're thankful for anointed singing and playing and preaching. We're thankful that we've got a building that doesn't leak, well, all the time. Amen. That We're thankful for so many good things, but I want to remind you what is the very primary objective of God and the church of the living God is for a lost world to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and for them to be saved. Amen. That, yeah, this is one of these messages, brothers and sisters, because I enjoy Turning Point more than anybody else. I enjoy Sunday service more than anybody else. But God sent me here on assignment today to tell you there's one heartbeat that God has. He has a purpose by which we as a church exist. I've come to tell you we exist for those who are not here yet. That we as a church has a purpose and primary objective is to reach every lost soul that is out in this world that has not heard the gospel. And I want you to know that God is moving throughout this entire world. People are getting saved. But I've come to talk to the Pentecostals of Sydney. And if you're a guest here, maybe you can tune out. This may not be for you. But I've come to preach to the church that we've got to reach every soul. The turning point was good. Services are great. But we've got people, 5 million people in this city, majority of whom are on their way to a death hell hallelujah glory to God <coughs> our calling is to reach the lost amen that's why we've got two services on Sunday and I tell you if we had five services on Sunday if we started ten more daughter works in the city it still would not be enough we enjoy all these wonderful things that we have and thank God for them but we have a purpose. We have a calling. Praise God. 
Matthew chapter 24, verse number 14, the Bible tells us the gospel of the kingdom, he said, Jesus is given the signs of the times. He says, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Amen. He said, when this message has gone through every nation, and I, I was just listening to, to uh, our general conference and our global mission service, they said that we've, we've got churches, we've got apostolic churches, churches that preach the gospel of being born again of water and the spirit in 198 countries in the world. Out of 210 countries, there's 198. That means there's still a handful of countries where there is no apostolic presence, where there's no church that preaches the same message that we preach about the one God, about being baptized in Jesus' name. But, but let me tell you that, that there is a whole lot that we've got churches everywhere. A couple of years ago, we remember that? We bought that truck for the, the nation of Kiribati. Little, little tiny dotted islands in the middle of Micronesia in the Pacific, the North Pacific. And there's a church there. There's an apostolic church there. And then God is, is leading others. God is leading people to come to know him. There are 198 countries that have apostolic churches. That means there's about another 12 countries that doesn't have churches that are not saved. Praise God. There are 42,000 UPC churches and preaching points around the world. That's just our denomination. That's not including other apostolic churches that preach the truth. There's a, with the UPC, it has, there's a constituency of 5.3 million believers. One God, tongue-talking, apostolic believers. <laughs> Hallelujah. 12 more countries, folks. If, if what we believe matters, there's 12 more countries that will signal the coming, the second coming of Jesus Christ. And I submit to you that he is coming. He promised it in his word. Oh, you're just one of those preachers. I, I mean, I, I was watching, I, you know, sometimes I read the comments on our, on our live stream. I, I read some of the comments of what I think Brother Diaz is preaching. During turning points, somebody made a comment. Oh, don't put that guilt trip on us. He was preaching hard. He was preaching the word. And he said, don't put that guilt trip. That's guilt trip preaching. And I thought about that. I thought initially when I first read that, oh, yeah, that's bad. But, but hang on a minute. <laughs> Isn't that what God is supposed to do? When, when you put a guilt trip on somebody... It's, you're, you're trying to remind them that they're guilty of something that they may not be aware that they're guilty of. Amen. And so if there is a heaven and a hell, and the Bible declares, Jesus himself declared there is a, a heaven and a hell, I wish there wasn't, but, but all of my wishing is not going to make any difference to the truth of what the Bible teaches. I wish we all would end up in heaven. I wish every person, well, except, except for Hitler and Stalin and Pol Pot and, and, and you know, maybe Mao. I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't want everybody to be in heaven with me after what they've done necessarily. 
But, but if we're going to go to heaven, even if I have to be guilt-tripped into going to heaven, I would be thankful. I won't be offended. I won't be upset because if I'm doing something wrong, if I've got sin in my life and I'm not aware of it and that sin's going to keep me from going to heaven, then I need a preacher to tell me that I've got some sin. Guilt trip is a good thing because it's somebody reminding you of the guilt that we have of sin because the Bible says godly sorrow worketh repentance. And if this is guilt trip preaching to guilt you into heaven, then so be it. Preach the word. Let the guilt of God's Holy Spirit, I'm not talking about condemnation. I'm not here to condemn anybody. But if you are not right with God, God is saying, I've already gone to the cross. I've shed my blood. I've given my life to forgive you of your sin. You can make it right with God. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. So guilt me into heaven. I don't mind. Because if I've got a disease in my body and I didn't know it, I need somebody to tell me I'm sick. So I don't feel sick. But the doctor said, well, you got something in there. You, got, you better treat it before it's too late. I'm not going to get offended by that doctor just because I don't know everything. I don't have x-ray. Amen. And, and this kind of preaching is out of fashion today. Because, oh, how dare you? That's not politically correct. That hurts my feelings. Well, I'm sorry, I'm not here to offend anybody or hurt your feelings. But listen, if you are not right with God, you got to get right with God. Otherwise, you're going to miss out on heaven. Hallelujah. I, I felt like responding to that person. Guilt trip preaching. That, that was the most powerful apostolic preaching we hear. I said, well, maybe you need to get guilt tripped. That's why I try to stay away from social media. Because it, it tests my Christianity. <laughs> Makes me want to give up on my Christianity. Well, I show you, how dare you? And here's what, here's what his disciples said. Here's what, here's what Jesus said to his disciples in John chapter 4, verse 35. He says, don't say there are yet four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes Look on the fields, for they are white already. When, 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 the, when the wheat field is white, when the, the tips of the wheat are white, it's ready for harvesting. And they were thinking, the disciples, you know, they, he was trying to remind them, well, don't, don't say there's going to be four months. It's going to be later on. In other words, someday we'll have a harvest. Someday... We'll, we'll, we'll get these souls won. And we love the term someday because someday is filled with so much promise. And it makes us feel good that we thought about winning souls and discipling them someday. Oh, someday we'll come to the house of God on a Sunday. We clap, we shout, we sing, and we even pray for souls 
We'll pray for souls, and we're thankful to God, and we're so, we're so energized and burdened that we pray for people. We pray for this city of Sydney. We pray for the lost. But Jesus never said to pray for the harvest. He said the harvest is already. It's already white. It's ready to be reaped. And, and we can even say the four months, then we'll do that. The someday we'll do that. And, and we think about it. And we, we have this idea, this mentality that, 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 you know, if we thought about it, you know, it's the thought that counts. But now I'm afraid, no, the thought doesn't count. The harvest remains. And we feel good about ourselves because we said it. We prayed it. Someday, someday we're going to win them. Someday we're going to get the harvest. God, give us souls. But that's not what Jesus said. Someday will make you feel good. But someday, he said, it's not going to come. Let me tell you, the problem, the fallacy with some, someday is that someday never comes. Oh, I wish I had a witness in this house. Hallelujah. I've known lots of people with lots of grand ideas. They've had some grand schemes and plans. Someday I'm going to start a business. Someday I'm going to, you know, Brother Slack calls them the famous term, the brother gunners. Brother and sister gunner. Going to do this. Going to do that. Never gets around to it. And, and listen, I'm not trying to preach at you. I'm preaching at myself. I'm, I'm one of the number one procrastinators that I know. I love to procrastinate. I love to just, well, you know, I've got to get everything perfect, all the ducks lined up properly, and I've got, before I do anything, and we're always delaying. But can I tell you that someday never comes? And I want you to know that today, the Bible says, is the day of salvation. Jesus said, today, if you hear his voice, if you've got spiritual ears enough to hear, today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Don't close off the door of your heart. Don't become hardened with pride and sin and all kinds of issues in your heart. But today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart like in the day of provocation, but respond, receive. Today is the day of salvation. Maybe you're here this morning because God wanted you to be here to hear the message of salvation. And here it is. Here's the message of salvation. Jesus said, he, unless a man is born again of water and of spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. And that means you've got to repent of your sins, be baptized in Jesus' name, and be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. This is what Jesus commanded his church. He said to go into all the world and preach the gospel so that they might be saved. Oh, I thank God somebody preached to me. I thank God somebody told me the message of salvation and hope. Someday is the procrastinator's motto. Jesus said, don't say, he said, the, the harvest is white already. We're, we're praying that, that somehow God would save them. God said, no, that's not, he didn't call us to pray for them to be saved. He called us to go out there and tell them to be saved. The harvest is not going to reap itself. You need 
the laborers. He says, they are already ripe for the picking. Who doesn't want God in their life? I know there's some folks in here who probably don't, uh, in our world, that don't want to receive the gospel. But who wouldn't want the experience of being filled with the Spirit of God? Who wouldn't want peace? Come on, somebody. We, we've been there before. I, I've lived that life as a teenager, hung, hung up on drugs, selling drugs, so lost out of my mind and in all kinds of depression and losing my mind. Oh, the first time I experienced the Spirit of God, it was the greatest experience. It was the greatest feeling. Oh, to have the peace of God, to be able to go to bed at night knowing that you are right with God, that Jesus is with you, he's in your presence, amen, to, to be able to know that God has you in his hand, that you are the apple of his eye, who wouldn't want that? I'm telling you, the world is desperate to hear what we have. They want to hear the message of hope. They're desperate to receive the promise. Hallelujah. Glory to God. It's ready. That's one of the things that you don't have to pray for. Well, we got to pray for our world that they need something. Don't pray for it. Just leave it because here's the problem. When we pray for it, we think the job's done. We go home from church feeling good about ourselves, and we have not done what he called us to do which is to go into the world, to preach the gospel. Oh, hallelujah. The Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, you don't have to turn there, verse number 8, it says, Better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. Better is the end than the beginning. Can I remind you how this thing started in the beginning? It began 2,000 years ago after Jesus ascended into heaven. In the book of Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2, the Bible says, they were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting, and all of a sudden it filled, sat upon each of every one of them inside the house, cloven tongues like a fire, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in tongues. This is how it began. All of this church, Ecclesiastes, Christianity, in 2,000 years, it began on the day of Pentecost where they were filled and so empowered by the Spirit of God that it spilled out onto the streets and they began to preach to the public. And in that day, before that service was finished, 3,000 souls were added to the kingdom of God. Now, if God says the end is better than the beginning, then I've come to preach to this church that this thing is not going to end in some corner somewhere. Christianity is not going to fade out like some little fad or phase like yo-yos or skateboards. I've come to tell you before he comes back for his church, this church is going to be on fire. It's going to be empowered by the Spirit of God. 
Oh, hallelujah. Come on. Twelve more countries need an apostolic church. Twelve more countries need a church, a lighthouse to preach the gospel. I want you to know before he comes back, the church will be empowered. I better save my throat for the next service. I'm, I, I'm still recovering, man. I've had this four weeks. This thing is going to end with power. Let me tell you. Hallelujah. We preach about revival, but revival is not the harvest of souls. Revival is when the church becomes revived. When our joy, when our zeal and our passion is restored. When our passion for God is greater than our passion for football. When our passion for the work of God is greater than our passion for Netflix and, and for money and for car. When our passion for souls, when we get a burden for the lost. When tears begin to fall down our eyes. That it compels us to move out of our comforts. To move out of our comfort zone and begin to go to somebody and share the gospel begin to teach the word of God begin to teach a Bible study hallelujah we're living in a generation that is so fickle and so sensitive and politically they're, 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 they're snowflakes as they call the snowflake generation where you can't say anything that's offensive but listen there's a heaven and there's a hell that's, I'm sorry to be so blunt because all I have to stand upon is God's word. All I can speak to you from is the Bible. If we wanted to come up with our own ideologies and our own religion, well, you can make up anything you want to. Amen. But it's not going to change the fact of what God's word says. And me, for one, I happen to believe the words of Jesus Christ. You can follow Aristotle or Plato or, or whoever, Homer, whoever you want to follow. But I follow Jesus Christ and his words still remain. Don't, don't, don't say there are four months. Don't say, I'll do it later. He says, it's already white right now. Reach somebody right now. We, we may as a church have to alter our lives a little bit so that we can spend time with somebody who needs to hear the message of the gospel. John chapter 4, verse 36, here's what he says. Now, I've got to come to a close. If you can get that up, John 4, 36, it says, I've never understood this. He says, he that reaps receives wages. He's talking about sowing and reaping and gathers fruit unto eternal life that both he that sows and he that reaps may rejoice together. He said he's, he's reaping wages it's not obviously not talking about money because it's eternal. It's gathering fruit unto eternal life. But they are eternal wages. It says, he that sows the seed, it's like, and he that reaps are two different actions. And here's what Jesus gave us to do. He said in Mark 16, we are to preach the gospel to every creature. And then in Matthew 28, 19, he says, we are to make disciples of all nations. There's a twofold action involved in bringing somebody's salvation. Is that we have to tell them what the message of salvation is. We have to preach the gospel. And again, let me just reiterate, it's, it's out of fashion today. 
It's not good. Oh, you know, we, we need to create an environment where there's good music. It's like entertainment and, and people, people feel good. They make friends. And Yeah, absolutely, I'm all for that. But at the end of the day, it's all about preaching the message of salvation. But it's not enough just to preach the message. If somebody says, yes, I want to receive it, then we've got to reap, as it were. We've got to gather that harvest. In other words, we have to disciple them. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 28, 19. He says, go therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, which we know that name is Jesus. Teaching them, watch this, we're to make disciples or students and then we are to teach them to observe all things that I have commanded you. Lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the earth. It's not enough just to preach the gospel. We've got to teach them how to observe the teachings of Jesus so that they transform their lives from living a life of sin and a life of, of, of bad habits and a life of debauchery and evil to now living a life that is pleasing to Jesus. You become a follower of Jesus. I thought when I was 19 years old and heard the gospel, all I got to do is come to church, put a little money in the bucket, and then I'll go home and live my life, go out clubbing drugs and doing all that. No, somebody, and I didn't last very long with that kind of thinking. I stayed in church for maybe a month and I was gone. But when I came back to God, they told me, no, you got to start changing your life. You got to, through the power of the Holy Ghost, you got to start putting habits, incorporating habits of prayer and reading the Bible. And I stand here before you 40-something, none of your business years old since the age of 19, and I'm living a new life. God set me free from drugs. He set me free from alcohol and nicotine and a lascivious life, immoral life. He set me free. That's what we've got to do, folks. There's another you out there. There's another Joe out there. There's another Lucas out there. There's another Greg out there. We've got to go out and get them. And you'll receive wages. Here it is, folks. I know I have people like, oh, they, their ears perk up. Money. Okay, here we go. Here. I'm not talking about physical money. But you'll be paid in eternal wages. There, listen to me. There is nothing more rewarding than seeing somebody who was lost in sin come and kneel before God and give their life to God for the very first time. Nothing more rewarding than seeing your own friends, than your own workmates, your cousin, your wife, your children come to God and give their life to Jesus. Nothing more rewarding. There's nothing greater seeing them give their life to the Lord, turn their life around. I'm telling you, it's the greatest joy. Nothing beats that kind of reward. Okay, musicians, you better come give these folks some hope. Now, I'm going to finish. Go to verse 37, John chapter 4. I wish I had time. Herein is the saying true. One sows, another reaps. I am convinced that every child of God is called to the harvest. Go to the book of Luke. 
Luke chapter 10 and verse number 2. Therefore said he, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would not bring in, oh Lord, bring souls to church. And yes, he does. And maybe you're here for the first time and you're hearing the gospel for the first time. I, yeah, I've got an agenda. I've got a hidden agenda, an ulterior motive, and that is to, to guilt you into coming to God. But he didn't say pray that God would bring people in. But here's what we have to pray for. Pray that the Lord of the harvest would send forth laborers that are already in the house, not to bring them in the house, but to get them out of the house. In fact, the, the English word send forth comes from one Greek word, ekbalo, which means not just, oh, uh, would you mind? Ekbalo means to force or to eject out. We've got to pray that the Lord of the harvest would eject with aggressiveness, with a force to eject them out of the house, to get into the field. That's what I came here to preach to you. I came to preach to you to eject you out of your comforts, out of your, I know there's some soul winners in this house. I know, I know there's folks in here, and I'm not, I'm not, I know I'm preaching a little hard this morning, but listen to me, I'm preaching it to myself. God gave me an assignment to tell you here today that I would eject you, do all that I can to compel you to get out of the storehouse and get into the field. Because the, the harvest is great, but the laborers are few. We don't have enough laborers. We don't have five million people in this city, eight million people in the state of New South Wales. We just turned eight billion people in the world population last August. Eight billion people. We don't have enough. This building is not big enough. Five million people. If we started 50 more churches in this city, it will not be enough. And that's the plan. We're going to start some more. It would not be enough. With all of our getting, with all of our pursuing, what we must do is get to the harvest. He says, you've entered into another man's labor. People have already paid the price for this. People have already gone out and preached the gospel. The generations before us, since 1953, Brother Glenn Bogue preached the gospel. Tent poles were pulled up, thrown with rocks and tomatoes against him. Brother John Bryan took over after him as a missionary from the U.S. And Brother Slack, Ted Slack, pastored this church for over 30-something years. People have paid the price. People have already gone out and preached the gospel. He said, we're going to reap where we didn't sow. All we've got to do 
is get the laborers out there. Would you stand to your feet? I want to challenge you today to preach the gospel, to reach somebody, to bring somebody from the harvest field and reap their soul unto salvation. Everybody can do something. All of us have the ability to share a testimony to teach the word of God to teach a Bible study, to see them born again of water and the Spirit. And this morning, I want to send forth this challenge to you today. As others, we're planning for, to reach more, more people in this city, more daughters. But, but even if we had started 10 more, it still wouldn't be enough. We need everybody's hand to the plow. It's already, you don't have to pray for it. They're waiting for you. You don't have to pray for the lost. It's already right. Hallelujah. Would you lift your voices right now? Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. Thank you for all that are here today. Thank you for your promise of salvation that you have wrought for us. And Lord God, you want us as your laborers as your workers to go forth into this harvest field and bring the lost, bring the hurting, bring those that are in jeopardy of eternal damnation, God. I pray, Lord, that you would put a burden within every heart of every believer that today, Lord Jesus, something would consume us and compel us, that we would not be so preoccupied with all that happens in the house and the church, but that we would be consumed with the burden of your spirit with what breaks your heart, let it break ours. And that is for the loss and the hurting today. Lord, we're asking you to change us. Give us boldness. Give us a desire, a zeal that would consume us from the inside. That we would be compelled to go forth and reach somebody. Help us, Lord. Those that are new, those that are, have not made their peace with you, I pray today that they would make their peace with you that they would be filled with the Holy Ghost, that they would be baptized in your name, that they would be born again. I praise you once again for this day. In Jesus' name. I want to invite you to come to this altar if you'd like to pray, spend some time with the Lord. If you have not made your peace with God, you can come and pray. We have leaders here to pray with you. I want to ask you to pray and ask God to give you this ejection of your of his spirit to move us out of our comforts, to propel us forward to somebody that needs to hear this message of hope. Hallelujah. This altar is open for all. Whatever your needs are, you're welcome to come and pray for a few moments here today as we pray together with you in Jesus' name.